Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 538 for the 23rd of ER in a regular year. So I want you guys to take a moment and think about your vitality. Think about that life force that flows throughout your entire body. That thing that we generally call the soul, or at least a certain aspect of the soul. Where is it? Can you pinpoint it? Can you point to one part of you where it is more present than any other or where it is found? So not really, right? If you really think about it, your vitality is literally the life force that infuses your the entirety of your being. It's equally present in your pinky toe as it is in your eye, as it is in your stomach, as it is in your hand, or any other part of your body that you wanted to think about. Nevertheless, what we're going to be talking about today is how, on one hand, while our vitality is equally infused inside of our entire being, there is one place in which we can somehow perhaps say that this vitality is a little bit more present, quote unquote, than in any other place. So can you think about where that might be? So what might come to mind for you initially is the heart. You might think that that's where your vitality is really, really dwells because the heart is what's keeping us alive, what's pumping blood throughout our body. So there may be some truth to that, but I'm actually not thinking of the heart. I'm actually thinking about the brain. And the reason why the brain is really where we can say that the seat of our vitality of our soul really dwells and is present in a way that it is not really in any other place is because our whole entire life's experience, our perception of this vitality, how we experience the channel through which we take in all of our lives, all of our life and everything that happens to us and everything that we do is through the brain. The brain is really that hub. It's literally the nerve center of the entire body. This is really the premise by which artificial intelligence works, right? So it's like if if you ever have experienced any kind of artificial intelligence kind of game or uh, experience of any kind of thing. So when people put on that headset, they're they're putting it in the brain. Uh, they're not putting it around their feet. They're not, you know, like let's say if you wanted to simulate the uh, the feeling of running, even though running is something that happens with your legs, interestingly enough, you don't like insert electrodes into your legs and then like give your legs the feeling that you're running. You would actually do something with the brain. You would actually put on some kind of headset that would uh, stimulate your visual center, like stimulate your eyes uh, or maybe even electrodes, like in some 
this is going even beyond artificial intelligence, but in different psychological studies where, where people's electrodes are stimulated. So this really is what we focus on. We focus on really um, using that brain. We, we recognize the idea that our entire life's experience is through the brain. So while it's true that our entire vitality, aka our soul, is really found equally throughout our entire being, it is also true that we can say that somehow within our brain, our soul is a little bit more present, or at least we can say that that is where, where the dwelling place of the soul lies. So why am I bringing this up and what is this related to? Is this is related to something which we had actually learned about earlier in Tanya, and I, I will bring that up soon, but it's also a good way for us to understand the concept that while on the one hand, we say that God is everywhere and in everything, and that's really a basic premise of our understanding of God according to Judaism. But on the other hand, we also know that there's a very core principle in Judaism that there, we have something called a Beis HaMegdash. We have a Temple Mount. We have, there's something called the Holy of Holies. And there's Jerusalem, there's Israel. Like space here in this physical world does play a very prominent role. We say things like the the air in the land of Israel makes people smart. Uh, we say that God is like more present in a way in the land of Israel, and especially so in the temple in Jerusalem, and especially within the Holy of Holies, within the temple of Jerusalem. So this might seem at first like kind of like a contradiction or a paradox, and it might also, it points to some deeper philosophical kind of questions like, if God is really everywhere and in everything, then why do we even need to keep Torah at all? Why do we have to do mitzvahs? And so the way that we're going to come to understand this by looking at today's text is that this really does parallel the process by which the soul is uh, is inside of our bodies, the, vi the vitality of ourselves, how we experience this vitality. That similarly to the way that we say that the, our entire vitality, our entire soul is infused inside of our entire body. On the other hand, we can also at the same time recognize the fact that within our brain, that is the seat of the soul. That is the dwelling place of the soul. And so similarly for God, yes, the entire world is filled with God. There is no place devoid of God. God is literally the vitality of the entire world. He is what is keeping the world in its existence. Nevertheless, there's a brain, so to speak, of the world as well. And there's a place through which that vitality all is channeled through. And that place, as we'll learn, is the Holy of Holies. So this is the topic of today. This is what we're going to be learning about is this this interplay between these different levels of God, so to speak, and as it relates to the different levels of our soul in terms of the manifestation of it. And as we'll see, is that we can really think about this in, in terms of three levels. So in terms of the soul, what this would mean is that there is the essence of the soul, which is really devoid of any space at all. It's just, it just is in its essential way. Then there is the soul as it is manifest within the brain, which is what we can call the seat of the soul or the home of the soul. And then there's the soul as it spreads out into all of the different organs of the body and how it's manifest there. And similarly, we'll see with God, it's the same thing that we talk about God and we talk about God's indwelling in the world. And in essence, God does not have a space. There is no space that is that we can say that that is where God is. God is, it's beyond even everywhere. There is, God's beyond space and time, right? 
But then we can also say that, okay, but now in creating the world, in making this creation, then God does also, he made, so to speak, a kind of brain, a kind of nerve center for reality, for our earth. And that is the Holy of Holies. And then there's the manifestation of that. And there's the way that it, this vitality becomes revealed throughout the entire world. So let's get into the text now. So uh, yeah, so for today, so we are actually beginning a new chapter. It's chapter 51 of Likute Amarim. And we are nearing the end of Likute Amarim, believe it or not. So we have just a, a few mm -hmm. chapters left. There's 53 chapters in Likute Amarim. And then we'll move on to another section of the Tanya. So for now, so here we go. So that this is chapter the beginning of chapter 51 of Likute Amarim. So the chapter begins by saying that we're going to now explain in further detail that which we learned about what the Yunuka said. So and so this is alluding to something that which was brought up in chapter 35. So you can go back and listen to that episode if you want the full context. But just in brief, in chapter 35, we talked about how this the Yunuka, which who is a commentary, talked about this idea of how when we say uh, that a, a wise person, his eyes are in his head, what that's really alluding to is the fact that a wise person wants to have the shechina rust inside of uh, above their head. And the way that they do that is through good deeds, through, through mitzvahs, because the good deeds, what that does is it gives the oil to, it provides the oil for the light of the shechina to dwell upon the person's head. So the altar of here now in this chapter is going to say that now first we have to explain a little bit in order to understand this concept a little bit more about what do we mean by this idea of the, of the resting of the Shekhinah in the Holy of Holies. So there's this idea that is taught that uh, that the Shekhinah dwelt in the Holy of Holies, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash. So what do we mean by this? And then the altar Rebbe goes on and he says, so too, like the whole idea of like having the Shekhinah dwell in a certain place or rest in a certain place, what do we mean by this? Because like, is it not the case that the whole world is filled with the glory of God and there's no place devoid of him? Like we've learned this over and over in Tanya, it's a recurring theme, that every that God is everywhere, there's no place devoid of him, everything is dependent upon God for its existence. So what do we mean when we like pick a particular place, like the Kurdish Kadoshim, for example, and we say that here is where the Shekhinah rests. So the Shekhinah doesn't rest in other places? Like what, what are we talking about, you know? So the idea is, uh, and here the altar of cites a uh, cites a verse from Eov, from chapter 19, verse 26 in Eov, where it says, And from my flesh I see God. So, what does this mean? This is a this is a segue to how the altar is going to now get into the analogy of the soul of man. And he's going to teach us that in order to understand this idea of the dwelling of the Shekhinah and how the Shekhinah dwells here and there and how it could dwell or not dwell, we can learn this through looking at the soul of man and looking at how the soul inhabits the body of a man. So the altar of says that just like we look at the soul of a man as the soul of a person that fills the entire 248 organs of the body from head to toe. So, right, we mentioned this in the introduction before. Nevertheless, we know that the main stay of this resting and the dwelling is in the mind. And from this brain, it spreads out into all of the other organs. So there's something specific about the brain, something about the mind that in a way we can say that the soul kind of dwells there in a, in a more of a way, in a bigger way than it does in all of the other organs of the body. 
So because we know that the brain actually is where it, it's where the vitality spreads forth into into the rest of the body. And every single organ receives from it in a very particular way, like in a way that is suitable to, to it according to its composition and to, according to its nature. Like, you, you know, for example, Baltrava says the eye to see. So the eye receives very specific vitality so that it can we can see through our eyes. The ear to hear. So the ears get vitality so that we can hear. This, the mouth to speak. The feet to walk. So all different parts of the body receive their very specific types of vitality. And we can actually sense this, like in actuality, says the ultra that when we see that we, we think about the mind, right? And we and the the our brain feels everything. It feels all the going ons and all the happenings of the 248 48 organs and everything that happens to them. So this is again what we mentioned in the introduction is that where does perception happen? So for example, seeing. So we tend to think of the fact that we see with our eyes. And while this is true on some level, truly the true perception, the true seeing actually happens in our mind, in our brain. It's not it's not the eye that's seeing, it's the brain that interprets it interprets the stimuli that the eye is taking is taking in. But now the ultra wants to cl clarify something here. So he wants to make sure that we understand that th these differences in terms of how these different organs receive different powers and different different vital energies and different vitality that come from the neshama it's not coming this the difference is in these different soul powers is not coming from the neshama itself from the soul in terms of its essential being meaning to say that it's not that like that the soul is made up of 248 different parts that then become vested within 248 places that correspond just to exactly like that to the parallel the body parallel the organs of the body because if we were to say that that it's like that the soul was made up of 248 parts that correspond in this direct way to the different organs of the body this would be like as if we were giving like a like a, a description a physical description to the soul which isn't true and it would be like we'd be ascribing a certain structure and a certain corporeality to the soul that would make it like the body god forbid but that's actually not true at all because the truth is that the soul is really one essential essence one spiritual essence which is simple and which is devoid of any kind of physical image or any kind of limitation or any kind of dimensions or anything like that any any corporeality at all in terms of when we're talking about its essence and and what it really is and so thus we can't say about its essence when we're talking about the essence of the soul we can't say that it's like found more in the in the mind in the brain in the head than in the feet because the actual essence of the soul is like it's not bound by any of these limitations and it's in every single part of the body equally so rather what is happening what's going on is that we find that there are actually 613 different types of soul powers and different types of vital forces which are found within the soul itself and then these 613 soul powers come out into revelation in order to give vitality to the 248 organs and the 365 sinews that are in the body by way of them being vested these these different organs and sinews being vested in the vital soul which also has 248 and 365 different powers and vital and vi vital forces. So that's the end of the section for today. And just to 
summarize the basic point here. So basically what the altar is saying is that he's saying that we shouldn't mistakenly think that the soul is like, we can break it up into a whole bunch of different parts. And it's like, okay, here's like the, the, the seeing part of the soul. Here's the hearing part of the soul. Here's the walking part of the soul and all of that stuff, because that's too corporeal. That's, that's too physical. And that's not what happens. That's not what's going on in the soul. The soul itself is actually just one unified essence. And it's, it's much more simplified than that. It's devoid of these kind of descriptive definitions of like what we think of when we think of an eye, when we think of a foot, when we think of those kind of things. Which leaves us with the question as to, okay, if really we're just one unified, unified whole, what is meant by this idea, which we brought up at the beginning of this section today, that the main dwelling of the Shekhinah is in the mind. If all of the organs are really one and unified, what? It, how could there be this like main nerve center, which seems to apply that there is a division, that there is a hierarchy of sorts. So that is what we're going to address tomorrow when we conclude this first part of the chapter. And uh, so stay tuned for that. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.